week on the After School Archive Club. We really just wanted to like tell you guys where we've been, what we've been doing for the last couple months over the summer. As a, a longtime Ninja Turtle fan, very happy about it. I'm going to not talk about the turtles. About Mainly interested in talking about Barbie, but we are also going to have to talk about Oppenheimer, I guess. say it this is so weird uh because for the last two years we've said welcome back to the digital dust podcast and for the first time ever we are saying welcome to the after school archive club i like archives (laughs) so we you probably know if you've been following us for a little bit uh, first of all, you're probably looking at your like podcast inbox being like, what is this show that just randomly popped up and everything's changed and our Instagram has changed and what's going on? Um, and you probably know that we've kind of been MIA for the last couple months and by no means was that intentional. It just kind of happened where we, life got really busy. We kind of disappeared. We kind of like weren't as passionate about it. And so we have rebranded. We have really sat and been really intentional about where we want to take this brand and what we want to give to you guys. And so with that, we have a new podcast. It's the same for people that you love. It's going to be the same topics that you love, but it's going to be a lot more informal. It's going to be a lot more kind of chill, fun, just four of us and all of you sitting down and chatting like good friends and nerdy historians do. So with that being said, um, I'm Liz. I'm Katie. I'm Robin. I'm not Patrick. What was that Patrick, in case you couldn't (laughs) understand. (laughs) I've been possessed by an alien over the last several months and I've I don't think, the, I think I got one of those words and it was overtake. possessed. Yep, that's one of the words. <laughs> Explains a lot. All right, so I've been an alien for the last several months was what I was trying to say. And that uh, I'm I trying see. to infiltrate this podcast for, you know, world domination purposes. So, I yeah, see. I see. Fair enough. That's what I've been up to. So yeah, so for this episode, we wanted to kind of give you guys the lowdown about what's going on. We wanted to really welcome you into our own little club together. This is like figuratively and literally like a club in a way. It's a digital club. Um, We called it After School Archive Club because I was making merch because I have a cricket. And one of the like merch things that I made was like a t-shirt that said After School Archive Club. And then Katie was like, I actually really love that name. And she was like, can we rename the podcast that? And at first we were like, no. And then this whole rebrand thing happened and we were like, okay, we're going to go for it. And I won in the end. She won. (laughs) She won. Cute merch too. And it's going to, we can actually make cute merch now too, hopefully. Not with my cricket because that would be a lot, but um, we do, I think we do want to do merch because it's really fun. And like, why wouldn't you want to support us and support archives and history, be in the club again. So. Be part of the club. That's the whole. That's the whole vibe now. That's good. 
That's good. I like Part that. That sounds club. nice. Love the call to action. We should yeah. we should use that actually. <laughs> but just like marketing. <laughs> um. Yeah. So for this episode. We really just wanted to like tell you guys where we've been, what we've been doing for the last couple months over the summer, um, and also kind of tell you a little bit about what's kind of in store for the next little bit with this podcast. Um, if you were following Digital Dust Podcast, you should be already following After School Archive Club on Instagram. Same thing with all of your other podcast listening platforms all we're doing is going in and like changing our name and the graphics and everything but it's still gonna you don't have to do anything which is very nice you're already signed up part of the club there's that there's that tagline again <laughs> um, i think we found it very organically i think this is yes great. it's simply just the club blank blank the club i love it whatever up in this club <laughs> turn up in the club yeah yeah. Um, okay, so I think I'm going to stop rambling because I feel like for the most part we did it. Maybe we'll go on Instagram when all this is live and do like a Q&A or something where if you do have questions about stuff or you like really have a cool idea that you want us to, to know about or that kind of thing, then you can let us know. Uh, so yeah, I guess we'll just like dive into, again, all this, most of these episodes are going to be still talking about history topics and school topics and adulting and advice and all that stuff but in a much more informal just like us chatting kind of way so that's what this episode's going to be um we're just going to be chatting so yeah i don't know who wants so to fun. i feel like i've been talking for too long who wants to start i feel like we should do like a very just basic intro to each of us in case this is you stumbling upon the podcast for the first time just so that you can kind of like get a sense of who we are we're so happy welcome to the club it's I'm I'm never gonna stop. Welcome to the club. Uh, she said the thing. She said the thing. <laughs> Take a seat, everyone. <laughs> Class is in session. Okay. <laughs> oh, that's also pretty good. Although we did say it was after school archive, so I. <laughs> okay. So brief, brief introductions. If you don't know, the four of us did a master's together, public history, which we have a whole episode on within the Digital Dust episodes. So you, if you want to know more about that, scroll all the way back down and it's there. But that's how we met. We all did a master's together back in like 2020 during like peak COVID times. And as a result of that and where we all live, we do record this over Zoom. So shout out to Zoom. We love her. Speaking of, so I'm Katie and I live in a different country. I live in Scotland. I don't know why I made it sound so weird. I live in Scotland. She lives in Peru. I mean, <laughs> it'd be cool. That'd be so How cool. exotic. <laughs> so I live in Scotland and I work in heritage in like the front facing front of house side of heritage, um, which I have a whole episode rambling about how much I dislike that. But here we are. The market sucks. And that's me. Pretty Damn. good intro. <laughs> She's also not very specific about her job because she legally cannot be specific, which is like pretty cool. Correct. Yeah. Correct. Yeah. She's a spy. She works for spy. the spy museum. Yeah. I have been to the spy museum in Washington, D.C., and it was pretty cool. All right, Robin, you want to go next? Or you want me to go next? Sure, I can go. Yeah, so following the, uh, the masters, I didn't know what the heck I was doing because the museum field is actually really hard to get into right now which we'll we'll probably have episodes about it 
and um, I pivoted and I went towards education. So now I'm an educator and uh, funny enough, I love it. I wasn't expecting to, to be thriving in history in this setting, um, but I'm doing it and I've done a lot of cool stuff this summer. Like I would travel to Europe with a school group so they could get their history credit. Um, so I just, yeah, I guess I'm from that side of our history domain now, and I, I want to share that history can still be fun within school, because it is. It's awesome, and I'm loving it. So, yeah, I'm really excited. I don't know what else to say. <laughs> <laughs> Incredible. All right, so that leaves me. My name's Patrick. What have I been up to the last couple months? I've been uh, slowly and surely making my way toward doing a PhD, which I'll be starting in two weeks. So that's that's a huge change, that's obviously. That's a yeah, pretty so. huge deal. <laughs> that was incredible. I can't. That was amazing. Thank you. Thank you, Liz. Phenomenal. Uh, but yeah, I mean, like, I I love uh, I love history. I mean, a lot of my stuff that I I think about for history uh, has to do with how it relates to the present, how we can make a better world, all that idealistic stuff. I love I love thinking about how history contextualizes current events and and how we can use history to uh, sort of resolve conflicts socially all that sort of stuff a lot of my phd is in education or that, that i'm getting is in education so a lot of what i'm going to be looking at is is sort of how we can use history education in sort of a public setting to help in that way to to help ha- have conversations about sort of present day issues and all that sort of stuff and uh yeah so it, i guess what's kind of funny is that so we all went to the, our, our master's degree for public history which is literally the the history that people do outside of academia right like public history is history that you do in the public whether it's museums public education m- movies whatever right and 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 yet i'm the fella who decided to go back into academia to continue doing public history so it's a little bit turned around but i i i I do think that's that's kind of the 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 niche that I found myself in is is trying to bridge this gap, trying to to sort of take what people in universities know and what people in universities are good at doing, and and help sort of bridge that to the public and vice versa, and bring public voices to the university, uh, and try and dislodge the stick up of uh, uh, academia's butt. So that's uh, that's my general vibe. Uh, I love superheroes. I'm a Gemini, but apparently I'm not like a Gemini. So that's kind of fun. Uh, and and uh, he's not. He's not. There you go. In a good way. And I love I, I love going to museums. I don't love working in museums. I've never thought I, I've been a weird sort of black sheep in that way. Yeah. So yeah, so that's me. There you go. Nice. Um, okay, I guess it's my turn. Um, I'm Liz. I feel like I said that already. Uh, I'm a Taurus, and I love being a Taurus. I'm so proud to be a Taurus. Um, uh, also a, uh, Scorpio moon and a Libra rising, if that matters to anyone. Ooh. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So, um, yeah. So I also again did public history with all of these guys and kind of similar to Patrick I I do love museums I love working in museums but I kind of knew that um kind of the job market wise wasn't great for museums unfortunately where we live so uh, I have kind of been in the private sector for the most part of my career so I've done a lot of jobs as like a historical researcher I did a content writing like history content writing job for a little while which was like a love-hate relationship. Um, 
And <laughs> the past six months, I've been working my dream job at a cultural heritage and archaeology firm, and I do cultural heritage full-time, which a lot of it is architecture, archival research, um, a lot of what else? Yeah, built heritage, that kind of thing, which a lot of people don't like and they find it boring, but I actually really love it. Um, so yeah, that's me. Uh, what else? Uh, my partner and I recently got a house, which has been very exciting in the country. So I've just been living my like cool. crunchy homestead dreams of like going, we have like a little um, like trail out back. So I'll go and like pick apples and stuff. Next summer, we're going to get chickens, which I'm so excited about. Oh my gosh. Um, yeah. Holy crap. Yeah. That's amazing. Yeah, I'm excited. So, so yeah, that's me. Amazing. So jealous. That's I want to, awesome. I would love to paint a wall. I live in white wall hell no. and I want to paint a wall. <laughs> I spent painting just the walls in this bedroom. First of all, paint is so expensive. Mm-hmm. We had to buy like one of the gigantic things to like paint everything white. I think we spent like $500 on paint, which is insane. Primer is like, such a ripoff. Like it's needed, crazy. but like yeah. as if. I know, right? And, like, the guy at Home Depot's like, well, you could get the cheaper one, but, like, it's not as good. You're like, okay. And then you spend, we had the house for, like, a month before we moved in, and, like, three weeks out of that month was just painting. It was just painting all the walls. Like, it just took so long. So, I'm excited to not paint for a while. Fair. But anyway. This is not a home improvement show, sadly. I'd love to run a home improvement show. (sighs) Anyway, so uh, every week we're going to bring topics to the table to talk about, mainly like history-ish, history-adjacent topics, but you know, if you've been here before, you know. But this week, I think we're just going to bring (laughs) one topic to the table, and then in two weeks' time, we'll actually bring more than one and kind of talk through a bunch. But we wanted to just do like a little intro episode, reintroduce ourselves, and then, you know, talk about the movies of the summer. And then next week, we'll talk more history. Yeah. Which, of course, are Ninja Turtles, (laughs) Blue Beetle. Are these movies that came out this summer? Yeah. What? A Ninja Turtles movies came out? Ninja Ninja Turtles actually looks really good. They, like, kind of did, like, a Spider-Verse take on it where, like, they did really cool art style. Sorry, I'm just Googling it because what the heck? (laughs) It's under a rock. It's really cool. I feel like I did actually see it. Maybe. Maybe. I haven't Maybe. seen it. I, saw the, I just saw the trailer for it, but it looks really good. No, I did. Yeah, sorry. Oh, it's I saw so the trailer. good. Yeah. Okay. No, as a, a long-time Ninja Turtle fan, very happy about it. I'm going to not talk about the turtles. About sorry, Jackie Chan is in it. Um, <laughs> I'm leaving this podcast. And no, the cast is sorry. really good. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, John Cena's in it. <laughs> Seth Rogen? Oh. Is it a live it? action? <laughs> is it... Is it live action or is it like an animated film? No, it's, it's fully it's animated. animated. It's okay, animated. I respect yeah. that. Because the OG ones are like the like live action guys in turtle suits is definitely. Yeah. Yes. Oh, it's so good. <laughs> it's so funny. Oh. <laughs> it's very schlocky, but yeah. <laughs> yeah. There are times when the turtle mouths open up and there's just these big rubber suits and like you can see the human mouth inside and it's real good. It's real funny. I did watch the cartoon growing up, but... Okay, anyway, sorry. Of course. Wait, no, wait. (laughs) Wait, which one? There's been so many. Oh, I don't know. The one that was on in the early 2000s. 
Whichever one that one was. Yo! You watched like, oh, that's mine too. That's the one I watched. It's almost like we're the same age. (laughs) But, but Katie, the reason why I said that is because there's like so many cartoons and Ninja Turtle fans are so obsessed with which cartoon is the best. Like if you grew up with one cartoon, that's the best one. So I had to ask which one because I needed to know if you were right or wrong and you are right. So good job. Well, anyway, I, 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 I thoroughly hijacked this conversation. So please, Katie, what, what, what movies are we actually wanting to talk well, about today? Well, I'm mainly interested in talking about Barbie, but we are also going to have to talk about Oppenheimer, I guess. I've, I haven't seen Oppenheimer. If you've listened to the podcast before, you actually should be shocked that I've seen Barbie because I don't I watch movies. Say, Barbie, was that enticing to you that you went to a theater to see it? Exactly. When's the last time you went to a theater to see a movie? Well, we have to caveat that to say a movie that wasn't a Marvel movie, because I do go see Marvel movies in theaters. Um, And it was probably Little Women, so go off Greta Gerwig. Oh, wow. It's a great movie. (laughs) There you go. There we go. Greta getting you in theaters. So, okay, the two movies we want to speak about today are Barbie and Oppenheimer. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, amazing. So okay, so hands up. Any who? Uh, or, I, I mean, this is an this audio is an format. Audio format. So actually, say say yes, please. I so I've seen both. We actually did. So if you were like on the TikTok or whatever you were doing, you probably saw Barbenheimer, which is everyone was like so excited that Barbie yeah. and Oppenheimer were coming out in theaters on the same day, and so a lot of people, myself included, called in sick to work on the Friday <laughs> and then like my you've heard it I, here first folks <laughs> I know I probably shouldn't have put it on the internet but I it's it's whatever um I don't get paid for sick days by the way so like it wasn't like I was getting free sick pay or something um but yeah so we and then one of uh Kanan's really good friends who's like obsessed with all things movies um he even had like outfit changes so we went we saw Barbie and Oppenheimer on the same day we did Whoa. Barbenheimer. So we saw Oppenheimer first because I think we were like, we need Barbie to kind of like end on a happy note. Yeah. So oh, it was yeah. so good. Wait, isn't it a sad ending? <laughs> it's still kind of sad, but no. it, wasn't, it, it wasn't like the like existential sad that True. I felt with Oppenheimer. Mm. But I also, yeah. I love it's not, Oppenheimer. Yeah. It was so good. <laughs> you guys, if you haven't seen it, you need to go see it. Especially like try and see it in the theaters because like, the effects, the music, it's just like, it's all so good. Anyway. So you've seen both. Robin, have you seen both? Zero. You've seen zero. Zero. Girl, you gotta go see Barbie. <laughs> I'm telling you right now, you gotta go yeah. see Barbie. I'm down for Barbie. And like, Barbie I would, so good. I was going to the gym and like every day I was seeing people all dressed up in pink. It was amazing. Like our gym is right next to the movie theater and I'm, over the years i've never seen people go in and this is the first time where i like come into the parking lot and i'm like i don't know where i'm gonna park this place is full of pink people and it's amazing (laughs) and it was like that for us too it was so cool because there were like people our age in the theater and then there were also like moms with like little girls and everyone was like dressed up in pink like dressed Mm -hmm. to the nines like it was really cool and like barbenheimer too like we even saw people with like custom barbenheimer shirts where it's like People took both oh. movie posters and blended them together, and it was like Barbenheimer. Awesome. It was really good. So, like, it was really cool. I don't think I've ever gotten to like do something in the theater like that. Like that, so many people were yeah. excited about, and it like brought so many different people together. It was so cool. 
Yeah. And so, Patrick, have you seen both? I did. I, I, I saw both in the same day as well. Oh, that's wow. good. I dressed up. I I had this, like, I, I, I so I wore, like, gray suit pants, uh, pink socks, and black dress shoes, and, like, the beachiest shirt that I own. So it's, like, green, blue, green, blue floral and everything. And then I have an Indiana Jones fedora, so I wore that, too. Yeah, yeah. And so with the fedora with it, so I, I, I put I basically had both movies going at once. Uh, and yeah, we went to see Oppenheimer first as well, same reason as Liz, and then we finished off with, with Barbie. And I've since seen Barbie again at the drive-in, but I haven't seen Oppenheimer. Again, I would see it again, too. I, I mean, I'd love to see both again, to be like... I, I, mean, I would see Oppenheimer, like Oppenheimer again, was, too. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Oppenheimer was really, really awesome. And like, it was like, it was thoughtful. Anyway, we have, I have lots of thoughts about both movies, but uh, yeah. So I have a question about Oppenheimer, and this is tied to my feelings about Dunkirk. So I didn't go see Oppenheimer. I actually learned, I was at work one day, and we were talking about whatever, because everybody, this was like, yeah, as we were talking about, such a cultural phenomenon. And somebody was like, well, it's about the atomic bombs. And this was like three days before it came out. And I was like, it is? Oh. A lot of people don't know that J. Robert Oppenheimer was the guy behind the the bombs dropped on. Yeah, exactly. Yes. So, like you, I feel like everyone's heard the name and you've heard like Hiroshima, Nagasaki and the Manhattan Project, but people don't usually put them together, which is kind of interesting. Yeah. yeah. And like that is the history that I am like really interested in. Um, modern war history is so my niche. So I was like, oh, maybe I will go see it. But then I remembered how much I hated Dunkirk. And I thought, you know what? I'm not going to. So my question is, was it like Dunkirk in that you never knew any of the characters or the plot. It was really a movie about vibes and about music and about pacing. No, I would say this was more of a not at all study. Yeah. Okay. yeah, yeah, I would say for sure. 100%. Especially, there's a kind of a there's kind of like two plots going on. There's the main plot that tells the whole history of Oppenheimer and the Manhattan Project and everything leading up to and following the dropping of the bombs in Japan. Um, but there's another one that kind of pops out, like pops in and out throughout the movie, which is, um, the trials that, not necessarily the trials, but a lot of the judgment that Oppenheimer faced following the Manhattan Project, especially because of his communist affiliations. And this is all under McCarthy. We've talked about McCarthyism a little bit on this podcast before. We talked a lot about, um, McCarthyism in terms of LGBTQIA people, um, in the post-war era, I can link that episode below. It's really interesting. We did that with our friend Kendra. Um, so it kind of does follow that. Um, and oh, I can't remember what the character's name, but there's like a senator who's coming in and he's doing a confirmation hearing. And he was really close with Oppenheimer and he's kind of trying to bring him down. Um, and again, he's trying to like clear himself of any communist affiliations. So it's very interesting to see the kind of huge rise of this literally the father of the atomic bomb like he brought us into the atomic age and he very much understood the pros and cons against it and the fact that it was such a scientific achievement but it was also as he says i am become death destroyer of worlds right like you're also he knew the magnitude and the effect that it would have like on the rest of history and the rest of humanity but at the same time you're also seeing kind of his undoing and like how 
the state like everyone when they did the bomb when they did the bomb it ended the war and they were like yeah we did it and then like immediately after they were immediately just trying to discredit him and he just completely was kind of forgotten um so it's a really cool dynamic of like this amazing unstoppable like man versus this very um kind of introverted kind of like outsider personality that he had to mm. so it's really good it is long but i did feel like at least maybe not towards the end but for the most part it moved really well which is good like i found that like every single time i was like okay next scene it did next scene it wasn't like lingering towards the end it was more of that like bureaucratic stuff with the, the hearings and the interviews but um yeah i thought it was really good that way it is a lot more character study e for sure okay Okay. I heard they did a thing like Memento. You know how like there was two timelines going on in that movie. So how did yeah? That that's work? just Chris Nolan's bread and butter. That's just yeah. That's how he do. Yeah, that, and so that's what they did. A lot of those scenes of him in the confirmation hearings and stuff, which is kind of weird. Some of it was in black and white, and some of it wasn't. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And what my take on was it? I feel like my partner like didn't agree as much because it's kind. It's not quite. But for me, what I noticed with the black and white is that when Oppenheimer is either sharing his truth or kind of there's more of an objective truth coming out, it's in black and white. And then the more subjective stuff of all the rumors that they're trying to spread about him, um, Leslie, I think Leslie's the the governor or the senator who's trying to get confirmed. He spreads a lot of lies and like tries to sew all of this stuff onto Oppenheimer to discredit him and to get him kind of pushed away from society. Um, so when he, like, when he's in the confirmation hearings, sometimes it's in black and white and sometimes it's in color. But I think for the most part, what I noticed was that when it was truth, when it was black and white, it was black and white. But then all the other stuff about, like, the Manhattan Project that was in the past was in color. And then some of the present was in color, too. Interesting. It was weird. It was, sometimes it was hard to, like, discern. I was like, why is it black and white here? And then the next scene, it's not. But, yeah, I thought that was kind of cool. I think that's what... Chris Nolan was doing, but I'm not too sure. <laughs> That's neat. Patrick, yeah. did you get the same feeling? Yeah, I mean, I I freaking love this movie. I'm a huge Chris Nolan fan. I have been for a very long time, obviously. Um, to Katie's question as well, I'll also say that like uh, like actors in interviews have talked about how when Chris Nolan approached them for their various roles in, in, in the movie, he always emphasized that this was Killian Murphy's movie. Killian Murphy plays Oppenheimer in the movie uh, and and that it was it was his movie and that the actor's job the other actor's jobs were to like enhance killian's performance as much as possible that like killian literally carried this movie on his back the whole time and so like just to like as an anecdote to be like like this movie is fully character driven there there is it's about oppenheimer and it's about his story apparently the script was even written in the first person like instead of saying Oppenheimer walked across the room, it was like I I raced across the room, that sort of thing. So it it was really like from Oppenheimer's perspective the whole thing, which is really cool. I mean, I, I think for me the thing that I really took away from it, the thing that I, I thought was really awesome, uh, obviously was its its message, its point, was was really well taken. I think, and I, because I think that was that's sort of a concern maybe of some people with this movie as well, is that it might take a, a sort of um, I don't know how to put it old school approach to awesome bombs made by cool men sort of thing. Like, I, I, like people might be concerned that it's, it's sort of glorifying the atomic bomb and everything. Whereas it, it could not be farther from that. The, the point of this movie is that Oppenheimer regretted it. 
in the process of making it and certainly after and it's this it's like the story of this man reckoning with the fact that he's literally done something unspeakable and unthinkable and it will it will the world will never be the same because of his actions and and having to contend with that and and like so obviously the movie is very anti-bomb in that way and you know i don't need to get into specific details for folks who may not have seen the movie yet and if kitty ever decides that she wants to see it i don't want to like necessarily spoil a bunch of stuff but like there are so many you really should yeah there there are so many incredible scene scenes that really emphasize that point of like his his sadness and, and the realization that it's going to harm so many people but i'll say the, the other thing that i think is really interesting about this movie is that it takes a really nuanced approach to history in a way that is very surprising as a big blockbuster movie often big blockbuster movies are very sort of like you know like like hitting you over the head with their point it's it's very clear and very obvious but Chris Nolan gave a very nuanced understanding of how history works in a couple ways. Uh, and so the, the first way that I, that I can think of is that it shows that it was not just Oppenheimer who is responsible for the situation. Or it's not, it's not as simple as to say Oppenheimer should not have made the bomb. Like that is that is too simple like of a statement. He wasn't really fully responsible. Like he did the work that yeah. he was told to do basically. And there's a whole, there's yeah. a whole team of people um, and Josh Peck is in it. Who else is in it? There's like a whole yeah. bunch of like great like celebrities who are playing all these like characters, the, all the different scientists that worked on it together in the Manhattan Project. Yeah, they do. They do make it very much like it was a group effort kind of thing. Yeah, yeah, and 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 as well like the, like a top well because it's it's not just that it's Oppenheimer who's making the bomb. Like they 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 embed it in the larger history of like the last century, right? And so so. You know, when Oppenheimer is, like, approached about doing this, it's within the context of, like, this is where the history of physics is at this point. This is where theoretical physicists are at in terms of their research right now. From that, like, there's there's this sort of thing of, of um, like, the Nazis are also trying to build a bomb. And they're they're getting close. And and they're in, in the news. In the news, it comes out that, that Germany has found a way, I think it's, it, I forget the exact science behind it, but has found a way to essentially do a fusion thing or a fission thing that will, will inevitably create a bomb. It's like the idea is that like, oh, like when Oppenheimer is approached about it, it's not like, hey, Oppenheimer, want to do something wacky and build a bomb? It's like, hey, so the Nazis have the ability to build a bomb right now. We need to build one faster. That's like, that's the history behind it, right? Is that like, so it's, 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 you know, so nuanced in the approach of like all these things leading up that if, if Oppenheimer said no, someone else probably would have found a way to do it at the same time or in, in the same way. And then of course, yeah, as Liz was saying, Oppenheimer is also Jewish. And so there's this, this element of, of like incredibly understandable vengeance involved where you have this, this character who's like the Nazis have done terrible things to my people. Uh, I want to build a bomb to kill them. Like, 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 like in, in a very human way where, where you can, you can sort of understand, like, it's so easy for us to think sort of like to, 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 to place uh, ethics onto historical figures in a way that isn't necessarily fair in that we can be like, ethically, you shouldn't have made the bomb. So why did you? And this movie gives a really nuanced approach to show like in the moment, like, human drive took over like 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 human instincts and reasons and rat and 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 emotion took over from from a potential logic of not wanting to do it not to mention like he's a scientist who wanted to make his mark on the world and so there are moments in in the movie as well where you can see like he's like like i want to do something so people can think that i'm awesome like and all that sort of stuff like like it's just like it was it was really cool to see 
the movie not place like like you know judgment on the figure so much as just offering a really nuanced understanding of his of his story and then to show the aftermath and how he felt afterward to really to 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 show the whole thing and the last thing that i think that 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 sort of relates to this idea is that like in the movie it, it shows that clearly at the beginning the united states creating the manhattan project was reactive that at the beginning it was about building a bomb before the nazis did so that they could stop the nazis but then once the bomb was constructed it 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 all flipped and the United States became the aggressors in that like they now had the technology for this bomb. And so now other, you know, groups, particularly the Soviet Union, wanted to create their own bomb to match what the United States now had access to. And so it, it, it was really cool to see how like broad strokes history can be told through individuals uh, and, and individual stories and, and to show that sort of progression in the world where the United States goes from defender to aggressor in that particular context. I just thought that was all freaking amazing. It was, it was nuts to watch just as like a historian. It was really, really cool. Yeah. It was really cool that way for sure. I like, it was neat too, because yeah, the way that they doled out the history, like there was a lot of history there, but again, it wasn't like, and then this happened, and then this happened, which was really nice. Like even there's like the one conversation with they're having, I can't remember his name, but he's um, like the, one of the big generals, who's like leading a lot of the military stuff or he's like the, the secretary of defense or whatever. And they're literally talking about, and this happened in real life. So I'm not, I don't think I'm spoiling it, but they're literally talking about where to drop the bomb in Japan. And he's like, <laughs> yeah. no, we can't drop it anywhere near Kyoto. Cause my wife and I, we honeymoon there and it's so beautiful and there's so much history. So we can't drop it there <laughs> because it will obliterate everything. Like, it's so interesting the way that they, and even the fact that, like, I didn't know about this either, that, and Oppenheimer even says, like, because there were two bombs dropped. Like, if you didn't know, I'm sure people know, there's Hiroshima and Nagasaki, which happened a day or two after Hiroshima. And they did that because they wanted people to know that we don't just have one bomb. We have the ability to keep making bombs and to keep delivering. And Oppenheimer is like, why do we need to do this again? Like, we showed it, we did it. We did, we're the first in history to ever do it. Why do we need to do this again? And what I also liked, I think it wasn't what I was expecting about the movie, but I think with the way they did it was very tasteful. Patrick talked about how it's kind of, not necessarily fully anti-bomb, but definitely doesn't glorify it. In the same way that like the United States in the Smithsonian, they still have the Enola Gay on display, the plane that dropped the, the bombs on Hiroshima. And the way that they've displayed it is very much like this was a scientific and technological achievement and not like, hey, thousands of people, if not millions with all the after effects died as because of this plane. Um, and they did a really good job in making it um, like still kind of getting the audience to understand the magnitude without it being gory. I was worried. I was worried about it being like, are they going to show the dropping? Are they going to show the the nuclear all the effects, the health effects that it had, the horrific burns, people being vaporized, like it's all there, right, in history. And they didn't do that in the way that I expected, which is good. I think they did it very tastefully. Part of me was like, I feel like it doesn't, it'd be interesting, Katie, if you do see it to get your opinion, like did it do enough to show like the magnitude and to kind of represent how many people died and like how horrific it was without it like being, again, like kind of, um, What's that word? Um, glorifying. Yeah, glorifying or like like kind of um, like a spectacle, you know, like mm, without mm-hmm. doing that. 
So I think they did a really good job with that as well. Um, yeah. And then Florence Pugh is in it, and you get to see full bare-chested Florence Pugh, and you're kind of like, I get you're part of the story, but why are you here? I heard it's quite <laughs> intimate. It why are your tits out? Yeah. I yeah. mean, like, More than that. go off. Good for you, but yeah. That was interesting, interesting. too. Yeah, it does explore his, his communist stuff as well, which is cool. Like, he was, I believe he was, or his wife was, a member, a member of the Communist Party. Again, it was, back in the 30s, being a communist was not, like, you know, what we think communism is today. It was very much that, like, everyone deserves free health care and equal rights and unionization. Um, and it's interesting how, yeah, I didn't know how history treated him after the bombs. And they go into that very, very well, which is cool. But, yeah. Cool. I have about a million questions, but I feel like for the sake of time, I won't ask any of them. Um, maybe I'll watch the movie. That's a lie. I will not watch the movie. But anyway, I'll maybe Google it. I mean, if we want, we could ask them, like, in general, if you had to convince us who were both on the fence, just sum up three points. Why should we see it? Ooh. I think, and Patrick mentioned this, but I think, yeah, the way that it tells the story, the way that it tells the history, you're not going to get that reading a book. Uh, it is based on a book. It's based on American Prometheus, which is a book about his life. Um, but you're not going to get that, like, reading a book or reading the Wikipedia or even, like, reading the IMDb summary of it. I feel like you really got to, like, go and see it. Also, just the craftsmanship of Christopher Nolan. The music is absolutely incredible. Even just listen to the soundtrack. There's one song... It's called uh, Can You Hear the Music? And it is a minute and a half long, and it changes time signature 21 times, which is unheard of in music. So every couple bars, it gets faster and faster and faster and faster and faster. And it took them, it took an orchestra three days to record it, a minute and a half, because it's so like intricate and intense. So you get that with the music. Also, all of the visual effects, they do a lot of effects of the, f the fission and the explosions. None of that is CGI. Like, Christopher Nolan does all of his effects organically. He has all these ways of capturing it. So just, like, the way that they they show the, like, the fire and the sound. The sound is so cool, too, when they drop the test bomb. Again, this isn't a spoiler. It's in, like, it's in the trailer. But, and this is true. It would have happened, but, like, no one would have thought of it. Is the silence. It's silent for two minutes. And everyone is just in yeah. awe. And then all of a sudden you get the... Because the light and the explosion is faster than sound. Then all of a sudden, especially if you're seeing it in IMAX, you get the sound after a whole minute of silence. It's just like... Pfft. So just like the visual and like the whole sensual experience of it is also just like really cool. Yeah. Ooh. Sorry, I I'm just convinced. like... Yeah. No, I'm convinced. <laughs> no, I think that's... That, that really sums it up. I mean, yeah, it, it treats... It treats history really well. It it does it in a really nuanced way, like I said. Uh, the acting is phenomenal. If you want to watch Robert Downey Jr. act and, and not and just not play even himself. Just, like, I, I, it wasn't until after the movie that I was like, that was Robert Downey Jr.? He does not yeah, look like yeah. him at all. You, you, <laughs> like, he finally plays a role where he's just not him. And it's it's fucking insane. It was it like 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 there's a moment at close to the end of the movie where he just sort of gets gets a scene to just speak and it is transformative. It's fucked. It's like it's it's insane to watch this kind of actor like take like like hit it out of the park in this incredible way. Absolutely phenomenal. 
the last, yeah, I would say like the last 45 minutes, maybe, you know, you're holding your breath the whole time just because like, like you had, like the way Christopher Nolan designs movies is that it, you're not meant to understand. He calls mis- movies mysteries because you're not meant to understand them at the beginning. That the, the point of watching a movie is to, is to sort of unravel it as you go and come to your own conclusions as you go. And so by the end of the movie, when, and when all the different sort of time pieces and settings and so forth are all converging, it's like this beautiful crescendo. It's like, fucked. it's insane. It's it, anyway. Like the last scene is so good. Oh, it's, it's, it's absolutely incredible. Like the last scene, the last line. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Oh my God. The last shot is fucked. I just, okay. Like, like, so everything I said about history as a historian, amazing. Like as a, like, like watching it as someone who has degrees in history, really well done. I would argue that is the best piece of film public history I've seen ever. Like, like I, I can't think of one that that's done it better, at least personally for me. So there's that. Absolutely. But as a moviegoer and a fan of Christopher Nolan, it's so well told. Like, I just, like, I like it's seamless. Like, it's a culmination of every movie I've ever seen of his ever. Like, it's, like, absolutely he, he phenomenal. He redeemed himself from Tenet, thankfully. Oh, gosh. Tenet like, was yeah. Like, blacked out for that. Yeah, oh I think God. everyone it, did. It's so good. It's so good. I can't, I literally, I'm so passionate about how good it is. Because it's so freaking good. I think we should rename this so anyway. podcast from After School Archive Club to Christopher Nolan Fan Club. Fan Club, yes. <laughs> I'd have to leave yeah. then. I think so. I have seen one Christopher Nolan movie, and I, I hated it. Which, which one? Well, Dunkirk. Oh, watch Memento. Watch any other one. Literally any other ten. one, and you'll any love it. Like, not Tenet. Not no. Yeah. Memento, Batman, Inception, Interstellar, any of them. So Pick them. Pick one. It, they're, oh, I they're feel great. like he did The Dark Knight. I think I've seen The Dark Knight. That was yeah. okay. I don't like Batman, though, so. Whoa. I'm about to throw myself out of this chair. That was okay. Pretty good. I don't really like Bat. Oh, sorry. I don't really like Batman as a character. So, anyway, we have about four minutes until I'm gonna call time of death on this episode because otherwise they're not yeah. going to be short episodes. That's true. No, again, we didn't mean to fangirl that hard. But it's okay. if you need, and we didn't really get to talk about Barbie. Like Barbie's amazing too, obviously. Um, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, go see them both. Go do your own Barbenheimer and like, I don't know if they're going to come out on streaming or what, but like, go see both. They're amazing. Um, we want to hear your thoughts on both. Find us. Yes, let us know. After School Archive Club on Instagram and TikTok. It'll all be like the one word. We'll, we'll link some it. reviews on the next one. If there's yeah. some good comments. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. All, all the good stuff. So tell us um, and any other movies that you really loved. Um, always let us know. I mean. But yeah, follow us, DM us anything that you want to hear about. Uh, maybe I'll read American Prometheus. That sounds pretty interesting. It is 700 it. pages, though. So. It is, yeah. Mm-hmm. It's, Pr- it's Promethean in its own right, so. <laughs> yeah, truly. Yeah, it's, it's a mammoth of a book. But maybe, maybe, maybe. Anyway, we, we hope you enjoyed the episode. Um... Other than that, yeah, we'll be back in two weeks with uh, a similar kind of more chill style uh, because we're a lot more chill with what we're talking about and like not planning as much. If you do have like anything you want to hear about or questions for us, let us know, DM us, email us, all of that's going to be linked in the show notes. 
Um, so you can literally ask us anything about history, about school, grad school, high school, university, about adulting, your first job, um, movies, you know, I don't know. I literally anything. Let us let us know because we really love hearing from you guys. It always makes our day. So yeah. And rate and always. this podcast too. Sorry. If it's not a five star review, I don't want it. Okay, guys. Is that that's it. I think that's it. That's the first episode that's good. of our second podcast. I can't remember what we were going to say at the end. What were, what was the new thing? We were going to, I think we were going to say, ah, see you after, after school. school. See you after school. I don't know if it's not as like, but that's okay. That's okay. We're, we're, we're still workshopping. Okay. Well, we will see you after school. After School Archive Club is produced in sound design by Elizabeth Edwards with music by Matthias Muller. This podcast is recorded in London, Ontario on the traditional lands of the Anishinaabeg, Haudenosaunee, Lunapuaq, and Atawangaran. For more information, follow us on Instagram at After School Archive Club Pod and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks for listening.